right there, just slinging the ball around. Oh yeah, it's Tim Couch. That man is jacked, and that's a fact. Hell of a quarterback. Oh yeah, it's Tim Couch. This enough, everybody knows. This is how the story goes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our esteemed pleasure and privilege to welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast, reoccurring guest, the pride of hiding Kentucky, Mr. 1999, former number one overall draft pick to the Cleveland Browns, one of two quarterbacks since the return of the franchise to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. When he came on last year, he was one of one quarterbacks to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. If you haven't figured it out by now, Mr. Tim Couch, TC Deuce, sir, how are you? And welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. Man, I'm doing great, guys. It's great to be back on here with you guys. No, it's great to see you. Positive uh, stuff to talk about this year. That's uh, that's always good. You know, in the Browns world, you know, normally it's quite a bit of negative stuff. So, you know, at least we're coming off a great season this time. The COVID's turning things around. For- COVID's turning it around, man. Absolutely. Yeah, last year was like, how's COVID? What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But so first things first, happy belated birthday. I saw it was July 31st. Yeah, getting up there. So, yeah, it was, it was a good birthday, though. Oh, and welcome back, everyone, of course, to the second annual Tim Couch Week. This one was just a little later in the year. Last year was in May, I believe, because right. there's a lot going on. And someone's been busy this summer. Congratulations on being inducted into the National High School Hall of Fame. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, that was a heck of an honor. Um, you know, they, they really did a nice job with that event. They, it, was, it was down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, went in with some great guys. Alex English, longtime NBA basketball player. Um, Matt Holiday, longtime base in a uh, major league baseball player. Yeah. Um, you know, some really good guys, a really good group of um, uh, people to go in and, and uh, be inducted with. It was it was a great honor. You know, it's just uh, you know you think about all the people that have played. You know, it wasn't just the football Hall of Fame; it was a sports Hall of Fame. So you're talking about basketball, track and field, baseball, football. You know, different sports, and to be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame was a tremendous honor, and um, you know, one that I'll never forget. So technically, think about what, 90-some percent of all high school kids probably play a sport at some point. So right. if you play, like, one minute or one play in high school, you're eligible for the Hall of Fame. So that means your percent chance of getting in is probably, like, point zero 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 hundred zeros and 1%. So that's insane. <laughs> it really uh, is crazy when you think about it, you know. So uh, hopefully, you know, this – I've been up for the uh, the College Hall of Fame. I've been on the final finalist list for that for probably, I think, like the last six or seven years and uh, haven't been able to get in yet. But hopefully, you know, this year would be the year. It'd be great to go into high school and the College Hall of Fame in the same year, which would uh, be a tremendous honor. I was reading an article about that, about you recently, and the, the author said, I didn't realize Couch wasn't in the College Hall of Fame yet because I just assumed he's been in it for years. So right. it is pretty baffling when you look at the numbers you put up in college you know, beating Alabama for the first time in 400 years, like the Browns in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So if it doesn't happen this year, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll stop. Don't it. worry about it. it. We got you. <laughs> let's talk about Leslie County high school national records. All right. This is how you, this is why he went to the hall of fame people, 872 passing completions, 12,104 passing yards, 133 touchdown passes, a completion rate of 75% senior year, Kentucky, Mr. Football, Gatorade National Player of the Year, USA Today Player of the Year. Next page of my notebook. <laughs> two-time, and that's just football, two-time All-State in basketball, 3,023 total points, led the state of Kentucky senior year by averaging 37 points per game. They've called you one of the great – you are one of the greatest high school athletes of all time. Like, 
I mean, come on, man. Like, how do you, how do you do all this in a few years? It took me two pages to read all those records off. <laughs> it, how it was you fun. raised? Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a fun ride, man, growing up. You know, I think I just matured so quickly. Like, um, you know, when I was in seventh grade, I was already six foot three. Uh, so I was kind of like a grown man out there. And I was actually playing on the varsity sports teams in seventh and eighth grade. Um, I didn't even play in the elementary, uh, on my elementary teams. I was, I was a starter on the junior varsity team in basketball and football. And then on the, um, on the varsity team, I backed up my brother, who was a senior, uh, junior to senior when I was in seventh and eighth grade. So I was his backup actually in the seventh grade on the varsity team. Uh, and then played a little bit on the basketball team as an eighth grader on the varsity basketball team. Um, so, so it just, uh, it just really started taking off so quickly for me. And I, I, and I considered myself honestly a basketball player all the way up until probably, probably like my junior year of high school, uh, when I started realizing that, um, you know, football was probably going to be my ticket, but I was getting recruited really heavily in basketball, even started getting recruited as an eighth grader. My first recruiting letter was as an eighth grader from the university of Minnesota. Um, so that, that, that was pretty cool. So, but, um, yeah, I just, I just kind of thought basketball was going to be my path, you know, growing up as a kid in the state of Kentucky, you know, basketball is obviously king in Kentucky. Uh, so, so I grew up wanting to be a basketball player until football just kind of, you know, took me down a different road. You said in your speech at the high school hall of fame induction that of all the, the sports memories you have, which are off the charts between college and pros and everything, you really look back at the high school years as your most memorable because you have the friends and teammates you had back then are still good friends of yours today. Yeah. You know, I think high school is just a, a very special time, you know, because, you know, you're playing, with, you know, the guys that you grew up with down the street, you know, the guys you went to kindergarten with all the way through, all the way through high school. So, you know, these guys, you know, so well, they're, they're your best friends, childhood friends. So getting a chance to go out and do these things, accomplish these kind of things with, with your best friends out there right next to you is, is a pretty cool, uh, you know, thing that you, you know, you, you go through and, uh, you know, something I'll, I'll never forget. It was, it was really neat experience. So I certainly look back on my high school career with, you know, probably, you know, the fondest memories, you know, obviously college was a whole different experience and, and was great playing the NFL was a completely different experience, you know, was, you know, kind of up and down, but it was obviously a great experience as well. But, you know, high school was just awesome. And there's nothing like those Friday night lights and running out on the field with your, with your best friends. This episode, we kind of have it structured in the three layers of Tim Couch. We got Tim Couch, the guy, Tim Couch, the analyst, Tim Couch, the Browns fan. And Tim Couch, the, he might be an Olympic weightlifter too. Yes, four degrees <laughs> of couch. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with Tim Couch, the guy. Uh, in Kentucky, you have a couple of different ventures going. Wealth management. Uh, a couple of retail on wealth management. Kevin and I recently started getting uh, sponsored from Manscaped. So we're big fans of wealth ourselves. And I don't know if you're taking on clients, but we are. Man, absolutely. If you receive payment in the form of free razors, like, let's talk after the show. And we all need razors, right? Couldn't have made a better segue myself. You heard the man. We all need razors. And it's true. Have you guys heard of Manscaped? I know you have. We talk about it every single week. As we've always said, we will never advertise something we don't use ourselves. Manscaped has the best razors I've ever used, Raleigh's ever used. You have to go get the new Lawnmower 4.0. It's waterproof. It's a great shave. We're going to help you out. Go to manscaped.com, type in code FANSIDED20 for 20% off any purchase and free shipping. Once again, that's manscaped.com. And use the code FANSIDE20 for 20% off and free shipping. This interview is brought to you by Manscaped. Let's get back into it. Let's get into last season. A couple of milestones that the Browns have accomplished for the first time since literally you. Uh, first one, making it to the playoffs. <laughs> the second one, 
winning a game in Pittsburgh. Yeah. As a in fan, the playoffs. As a fan, was there any type of like emotion that you felt watching them finally do it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, I, I've been a Browns fan since I, you know, was, uh, you know, stopped playing, retired. You know, I'll watch every single game. Um, so, so, you know, I've seen all the struggles, you know, been part of the struggles, uh, been on the field for the struggles and then watched it obviously as a fan the last, you know, several years. But, uh, you know, to see where this team went this year, um, you know, especially I think you factor in everything they had to deal with, you know, a brand new coach coming in. They're learning the offense virtually online. They're not even there to put in this new offense, this new system of Stefanski with all the COVID stuff going on. They can't even be out on the field and, and, and learn this thing together. So the way they put it together and the way that, you know, these guys grasped the, grasped the system and, 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 um, and, and, you know, took it to another level, I think was really impressive, you know, especially for, you know, the quarterback standpoint for Baker to be able to do that and, and to get everyone on the same page and to learn the system that way uh, was really impressive. Um, you know, just to watch the growth they made, you know, all through the season, you know, they started off the season, I believe, I believe it was in Baltimore and they got beat up pretty good in that game. And then you're kind of like, oh man, here we go. You know, it's going to be another long year. And then each week you saw them, you know, getting a little better the, and getting a little better. The offense started getting more in sync. Uh, the defense was making huge plays. So it, it was, a, it was a lot of fun to watch. And obviously, you know, you get to the playoffs and to see them win a game was just, uh, you know, a playoff game, especially against Pittsburgh, our biggest rival in Pittsburgh was, was unbelievable to see. And, you know, I didn't realize that uh, the Browns hadn't won in Pittsburgh since we did it on that Sunday night game. And I guess it was 2002 or so. Uh, so th- that, that was pretty cool to see, man, that, that uh, I didn't realize it had been that long. It's been way too long. And I'm glad that that streak is over. You and Bruce, I feel like I may be making this up, but I swear when we were, when you were on the podcast last year, shout out us, you came to the realization, like, holy shit. That was the last time they won. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> this franchise, man. Good Lord. So for someone that's been, you know what it's like to be an NFL quarterback and put the preparation in and the practice. Can you help us? I'm going to say this term a lot. Dumb it down for us. I don't think people, we sure as hell don't. I don't think people recognize how hard it is to learn, first of all, a whole new offense as a player, to teach it as a coach, and then week through week doing your installs and walkthroughs over a Zoom. Like, can you explain to us simple-minded non-athletes, like, how hard that is and how much more impressive that makes those accomplishments? Yeah, I think that was by far the most impressive part of the season to me because I can't imagine having to do that as a player. You know, it was hard enough. You know, Baker has been, what what was this, his fourth head coach in his career already. Uh, So he's been through so many systems. And then this one, he has to learn virtually. So you throw all that in on top of all the previous systems he's been in. So he's got to get all that stuff out of his mind, you know, from the other systems, the terminology, all that kind of stuff, and relearn a whole new system and do it online while he's trying to, you know, get his teammates on the same page and build some chemistry with his wide receivers, uh, get the offensive line and the blocking schemes going, all, all those kind of things. There's so many moving parts to installing an offense and to do it, you know, to do it in person is one thing, you know, you're sitting there with the guys, you can turn around and talk to them. You can, you know, you can see their reactions to different things and, you know, you can explain stuff to them. You can kind of teach a little bit as, you know, you're watching the film, those kind of things, but not to be able to go out on the field and learn the offense as a unit, as a team would be extremely difficult. I'm I'm really impressed at how they, the coaches, first of all, put that system in and installed it and the way the guys could, you know, in a, in a way that the guys could learn it, uh, you know, online and, and watching it on the computer screen. So I thought it was really cool the way the coaches did it, the way the players picked it up and responded to it. So it was, uh, it was really neat to see. And another question I wanted to ask, you know, you've been drafting number one overall as a quarterback, obviously. Baker drafting number one overall as a quarterback. 
it seems that he's the only quarterback in the league right now where the goalposts continue to get pushed back and back and back. A few years ago, it was like, can he just be a competent quarterback? It was, can he be just a, a regular average quarterback and then use all the weapons? And then now it's, he's not Patrick Mahomes and he should be because he's number one overall, all this stuff. Do you see that? Is that just us making this up in our head or, or is it just, is he facing a lot of unnecessary criticism? Yeah, you know, I, I really don't understand the criticism, to be honest with you. You know, I, I read the same thing that you just said. You know, people questioning Baker, you know, they're saying, well, should the Browns, you know, resign him to a long-term deal? This, I'm like, it, it blows my mind. I'm like, of course they should. You know, this guy's been, you know, nothing but successful since he stepped on, you know, stepped into, into the organization. He had a great rookie season, obviously took a step back in year two. But, you know, you factor in he's been through four head coaches as well in a lot of different systems and, you know, guys around him getting injured, those kind of things. So I think for what all he's been through, he's played at a very high level. Um, obviously, last year was a huge jump, you know, taking a team to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, uh, the way he performed. Um, you know, I, I think Baker's absolutely the long-term answer in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I don't really get all the criticism. You know, I guess maybe, you know, Baker's personality is a little, you know, out there. You know, he's a little, you know, you, you know, he comes off, you know, very confident, you know, to maybe rub some, some people the wrong way. I personally like the way he plays the game. Um, Hell yeah. you got to have a chip on the shoulder. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, but, you know, obviously some people, you know, some people don't like that. But, um, you know, but, uh, but I think Baker's, um, you know, he's, he's, he, he's the guy, you know, if you, if you spend a lot of time around the team, when I, I had an opportunity to uh, call the preseason games um, in the last couple yeah. of years, I got a chance to be around the team and see the way the guys respond to Baker and interact with Baker. He's, he's no question the leader of that football team. And the guys really believe in him. They rally around him. So I, I think that, um, you know, certainly in my opinion, He's the, he's the guy long-term for that franchise. When you, We agree wholeheartedly, of course. When you, and, you know, watching you in, in college or in pros, you know, you, knew, you were in charge on the field. And that's what you see with Baker, too. You can tell who's the boss in that huddle, who's running everything's out. You know, for so many years, it was just a, a gong show out there. But, you know, he's the boss. He's got the respect of the players. And we haven't seen that in forever. He also got an offensive line. In an offensive line, yeah. That, that helps. Yeah, he's, he's got a great offensive line. He's got a great running game. Uh, two of the best backs in the league, maybe the best tandem in the league. He's got a great uh, core of wide receivers. And now he's got a perfect system for him that Stefanski has brought over and really, you know, you know, calling plays that really suit Baker's uh, skill set. So, you know, I think he's got everything in place that he needs to be um, really successful for a long time in this league. Um, you know, and, and I think Baker's a super talented guy. I think he, I think he's a, you know, an elite passer. I think he, he, he can, you know, throw the ball as well as anyone in the league. Uh, he plays with extreme confidence and um, he's like a lightning rod for the team. You know, people feed off his energy. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see the guys respond to him and the way they believe in him. And you can tell he's, he's the unquestioned leader of the football team. One other thing that gets brought up every morning on ESPN, on every talk show, podcast, especially right here now, you all, and I know you've heard it, the chemistry between Baker and OBJ. Yeah. Is this what people who've never played football just focus on? And this is like one of the few things they know how to grasp onto and just uses some kind of talking point or is there really something behind it's been three years I mean I understand you got to get chemistry with everyone that just in anything in life but is that just the most overblown like they don't even think that's a thing probably in the locker room I think they probably, you know, they understand they have to get on the same page as far as what they want each other to do and what they're seeing. They, they need to make sure they're seeing the same things as far as, you know, the side adjustments, the coverages, 
you know, the blitzes, all, all those kind of things. You have to be on the same page with that. But, you know, then, you know, every receiver is different. You know, every receiver runs a route. You know, you can ask OBJ to run a, you know, a corner route and ask Jarvis to run it and ask Higgins to run it. They all going to run it a little bit different. So you have to get that timing down with understanding when guys are going to come in and out of breaks. And, you know, every receiver kind of gives that little, you know, one little clue that he's getting ready to come out of the break. And that's, that's you know, when you've got to anticipate the throw and try to get it out there. So, so that's kind of the chemistry that you want to see. And that, that just comes with time, you know, being, uh, you know, getting a lot of reps together out on the, out on the practice field and, and the game as well. So, so those things, you know, happen over time. But, um, you know, I'm sure those guys aren't too worried about, you know, the chemistry. They probably feel like they're on the same page. And, you know, the more, you know, OBJ is healthy and they get an opportunity to, you know, spend time on the practice field, that, that thing is going to, you know, be a, be a non-issue. Could there be any type of pressure that Baker has on getting it to the superstar? Because OBJ is the superstar. Is that a real thing? And do you ever feel any type of pressure like that as a quarterback? You know, I think that's actually a great question. And, uh, you know, I think you do feel that as a quarterback, especially, you know, because OBJ is so explosive and so good with the, with the ball after the catch that you want to get it to him as much as you can. You know, you want to kind of run the offense through him because he, you know you're going to get big plays when he touches the football. But you can also start forcing the ball that way too because, you know, if you see one-on-one coverage, you just start throwing it to OBJ because you expect him to win. Yeah. Uh, when you're not really, really kind of just kind of eliminate the read and just say he, he should be winning right now. Um, so, so you can kind of get into a, you know, a situation where you're, you're kind of force feeding a guy instead of letting it happen naturally within the progression of the offense. So, um, you know, I've been there before, you know, I had a, you know, in college, I had a receiver named Craig Yeast who was, you know, at the time he graduated, he was the all time leading receiver in SEC history. So, and he was a really explosive player, you know, like OBJ, he was a great run after the catch guy. Uh, so we tried to get him the ball as much as possible. And I, I, I would, find myself in games having to think you know don't force it here you know just you know wherever the defense dictates you should go with the football go there if he's open he's open if he's not I'm going to the next guy so uh you know you kind of got to get out of that mindset where you know you do want to get him the ball as much as you can but it can't be forced it kind of happened uh you know organically within the offense speaking of the SEC and wide receivers we just drafted Anthony Schwartz who if wasn't playing football he would have been over in Tokyo running Olympic track he's on paper the fastest runner in the NFL have you seen him play much when he was at Auburn yeah what what is that speed how much does that put him ahead of I guess your average wide receiver I know there's so much more that goes into it than just speed I mean what does that do for for the offense and the defenses against him yeah, you know, it, it forces defenses to play a little softer, you know, on him, you know, so you, you know, you're going to expect they're going to, you know, get a little deeper. They're going to play off him a little bit. They're not going to come up in a lot of bump and run coverage on him. But, you know, he, he's one of those guys that could really make some big plays for the Browns this year because obviously OBJ and Jarvis are going to get a lot of the attention. Higgins is going to get a lot of attention, uh, these tight ends. So he's going to get some of these opportunities, especially the way we're able to run the football with, with Chubb and Hunt off these off play action, just deep shots taking the top off of a, off the defense. Um, he, he's that guy you want, you know, off that, you know, play action, big, you know, throw down the field, the big post patterns, the big go patterns. You know, he's that guy you want, um, you know, because you think he's going to, you know, eventually outrun the outrun the defender no matter how, how far out they are. He can close the gap pretty quickly with his speed. And, you know, I saw him do it a lot in college. You know, you said it, um, at Auburn in the SEC against some of the best defensive backs in the country, he was outrunning those guys like they were they were sitting still. So he, he, he's fun to watch, man. And, um, you know, obviously he's got to develop a little more as a wide receiver, a little polish up on the route running a little bit but man that that speed is you know obviously uncoachable you know you can't you know can't teach a guy to run like that so you teach him how to run uh you know the routes within the offense and try to get him the football as much as you can let him use that speed speaking of defenses 
I wanted to ask this question. You know, obviously with press conference talk, quarterbacks will say, well, I, I trust my guys in front of me. I got to make smart decisions. If you're a quarterback and you're lining up and you look over and see Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney just licking their chops at you, I mean, you got to just poop your pants. What does that do for a quarterback and look over and see those non-humans and their only job is to get to you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely intimidating. You know, uh, the Colts kind of had that situation going on back in the day when we used to play them with Dwight Freeney and, and Mathis. You know, those, those guys could absolutely get after too. And, you know, these guys are probably even, even better than that. You know, um, you know, Clowney can get after it. Uh, obviously miles is probably the best in the league. Um, so, so they're, they're going to get some, some opportunities and, you know, hopefully, you know, the, you know, I think the idea is, you know, you get up on a team early and, you know, later in the game when, you know, everyone in the stadium knows you have to throw the football and you just unleash those guys and let them tell them to go up the field, pin their ears back and go get the quarterback. So it, it'd be a nightmare for a quarterback to know. Uh, you know, if it's a, you know, it's one of those downs where everybody in the stadium knows you're going to throw the football and those guys don't have any run responsibilities. They're just trying to get up the field and get the quarterback. It's almost impossible to block both of them. You know, you, you can't double team them both. You have to leave tight ends in, you have to leave running backs in, uh, which compromises the pass pattern, you know, so you don't get as many guys out in the pattern. Uh, so, so it's going to change the way, you know, teams, you know, have to try and block these guys because you have to account for two of them. And, you know, if you double team one, you got a one-on-one on on the other side. So it's going to be fun to watch, man. I I, I can't wait to watch uh, how how they use those guys within the defense. Have they, has the franchise reached out to you to see if you have any interest in uh, stepping up as a rotational player on the line side of the D line? Yeah. Or middle no, line. Yeah. You know, I was hoping maybe, um, you know, maybe a tight end, an extra red zone weapon for, for Baker. Uh, you know, I think my speed is probably lacking at, at 44 years old and just coming off a major back surgery about a year ago. So I don't think my speed is where I want it to be, but I think I could body somebody up, maybe make a catch. <laughs> for the record, he's jacked. I realize that this is funny. Yeah. So he can't be, yeah. I mean, tight end, yeah. But I'm thinking more like, like edge, maybe middle linebacker. Yeah. You, you're, I think you're offensive. You're not. You don't have an offensive body anymore. But you're just straight up linebacker now. So, free <laughs> time with my hands to work out, man. <laughs> Back to actual questions. Um, for the Browns this year on the offensive side of the ball, are there any sleeper players that you're projecting to have a breakout year? Um, I'll just say my answer is Peoples Jones. I think he's going to yeah. be a stud. Um, he went to Michigan as like a five star recruit. Didn't have much of a in the way of a quarterback there. And it's like, well, now you're going to a team that has a quarterback and he'd never experienced that. I think he was the number one, the number one wide receiver recruit out of high school in his class. I I think that would probably start there as well. Cause he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that has the obviously, obvious, you know, physical um, skills that you're looking for. He made some big plays last year, you know, later in the season. Uh, Yeah. You saw saw flashes of what he can do. And I think also Higgins, you know, Higgins has been one of those guys that uh, he flashes every now and then, but he's not been one of those guys that consistently uh, has been able to put it together. Uh, But he he and Baker, you know, they've, they've kind of been on the same page, Um, you know, even going back to Baker's rookie year, you know, when I was calling the preseason games, they they were getting a lot of reps together because Baker was taking the second team reps and he was working with Higgins a lot when uh, Tyrod Taylor was a starter, you know, originally. Uh, So so those guys have been on the same page for a while. So I know Baker feels really comfortable with Higgins. Uh, So I, I, I would say, you know, with Higgins and people, Jones I think those two would probably be the ones to watch on the offensive side of the ball as far as you know kind of having that breakout season uh I don't disagree with you guys but I'm gonna go with uh Njoku for me this year yeah. I think he's gonna have a I think he's I mean it's also it's contract year and he's pissed I think I think he wants just to have a a big ass year so I agree I definitely agree with that more the merrier Kevin yeah hey. 
Let's look at all hell, right? <laughs> we need them all. What was the most excited off the most exciting offseason move that you made that you saw the Browns make um, outside of the draft? Uh, I guess I'd say Clowney. Um, you know, just uh, you know, thinking about you know putting Clowney and Garrett out there at the same time, man. It's um, that's that's just uh, you know that, that's that's um, it's gonna be unbelievable to watch. And you know, I just put myself and you know as a quarterback having to play against those guys, how that would feel. Uh, you know, you just, you, you know, the clock, you know, the internal clock in your head as a quarterback, it's already, you know, gets, you know, it's sped up quite a bit, you know, in the NFL because the speed of the game is so fast. But with those two guys, you know, you walk up to the line of scrimmage and you see Miles over there with arms like, you know, the size of your freaking head. And then, you know, Clowney looks like a freak as well. And they both are so fast, too. You know, you, you're not going to outrun them either or I'm not going to outrun them. Most quarterbacks aren't going to outrun them. So, uh, you know, you, th- that was probably my, um, you know, my, my favorite offseason addition was getting him. I thought that was, you know, it takes pressure off of Miles uh, as far as, you know, being able to double team him all the time because Clowney can, you know, make a lot of things happen if he's, you know, getting, you know, you know single blocked on, on one side. So uh, I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out. And, I, you know, I'm sure the they, they can get extremely creative with those two guys on the defense and, and what they're able to do and move them around in different spots. For the record, Raleigh and myself could not outrun those two either. Are you going to be up? Any plans going to any games this year? Or is that just yeah. going to be kind of like game time decision? Yeah, kind of game time decision with my kids' sports schedules. Um, you know, I've got one one son who's going to be a sophomore in high school this year. So, um, you know, I'll be going to his games, obviously, um, you know, on Fridays. And then I go to a lot of U.K. games. I go to a lot of the – all the home U.K. games. So, I'll be, be there on Saturdays. And then I'm going to try to make it to at least – I'd like to get to at least two Browns games this year. Maybe – uh, maybe two home games, and then I may go to the, uh, the Bengals game on the road since it's so close to Lexington. Oh, yeah. I'll drive from Lexington. So I'll, so I'll try to get two or three games in at least, but uh, I'm excited to watch those guys play. Man, it should be a fun year. When's the last time you've had to purchase a beer in Lexington? <laughs> you know, they take good care of me here. It's probably been a while. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's a great place to live, great place to raise a family. But, uh, yeah, they, they certainly are uh, extremely generous to me, that's for sure. Well, you got the wealth management, you have retail, former NFL. You're basically like the bad guy from Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. That's where you want to be in life. We're all about wealth and power on this podcast. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, you know, business stuff is going good. You know, my brother and I started that uh, uh, wealth management firm about, uh, I guess, eight or nine years ago now. And it's, it's really doing well and growing. We actually just opened up an office out in uh, Tucson, Arizona as well. We've got uh, an office in Nashville, we've got an office in um, uh, Virginia Beach. Uh, and uh, so, we're, so we're growing, um, you know, quite a bit. I think we've got about 20, 28 employees here in, Le- in the Lexington office. So it's, it's, it's really expanding and growing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to see where this thing can go. And those, first of all, congratulations, because that's impressive as hell. And those new uh, office, satellite offices, those were very intentional. Nashville, Arizona, yes. Virginia Beach. Absolutely. I mean, why not build in a vacation if you're going to put an office out there too? That's yeah. awesome. You know, absolutely. You know, you may, might as well go somewhere fun when you got to go visit these offices and, you know, go talk to clients. So you might as well go somewhere where you enjoy going for sure. How, how can we get in on that? Take, take this off the record. Do one in Cleveland for sure. Yeah. Cleveland would be a great spot, actually. Yeah, we should, we should definitely look at that. blown up. That downtown is not the downtown even 10 years ago. I mean, that no, it's completely impressive different. how much they have yeah. exploded in that town. It really is. You know, I used to live in um, in Westlake when I when I played up there, and you know, Westlake. I don't know if you guys have been there. Um, I'm a Lake, I'm a Lakewood boy. Oh, Lake, yeah, I know Westlake well, yeah. Absolutely, uh, that place doesn't even look like the same. You know, with all that Crocker Park and all yep. that kind of stuff they got going on, man. That, none of that was there when I was there. So it's uh, it's like a totally different town now when you go back, man. It's it's, it's uh, and then downtown obviously is completely different. You know, the flats have 
all that stuff has changed and now and it's uh, you know, so it's, it's it's fun to go back so for years the city itself was just a punchline of jokes you know mistake by the lake you know forget sports like just the city and you know there wasn't a lot going on there for many many years but over the last you know 10 years it's been picking up and everything's the flats are back there's a thousand new restaurants and buildings when I take people, I said this on our podcast before, when I take people there for the first time, like friends of mine, you know, we take them out and they're kind of looking around like, why do you guys make fun of this place so much? Like, this is awesome. So it's, it's, it's new. It's good. It's good. Things are happening. We got a lot of questions sent in and uh, we gave you some, some, some rapid fire questions. Yeah, that'd be good. Let's do it. Well, actually this one won't be that rapid fire. I don't think we had a uh, shout out my buddy, Poff. He sent this one in. Uh, so speaking of the hall of fame, Peyton Manning got inducted Last weekend, November 22nd, 1997. Very simple, vague question. Like, can you please ask Mr. Kyle just to just, just talk about that game? And for those of you that aren't aware, Peyton, quarterback for Tennessee, Tim, UK, they both you guys broke your school's passing records that game. Right. There was 1,300 yards of total offense, 57 first downs, 12 touchdowns. Uh, and just it, it was that just one of the most insane atmospheres you've ever been in? Yeah, it was. You know, that, that was actually the most fun I've ever had lo- while losing a game because we, we ended up losing. But uh, but it was so much fun to play. And uh, I was only a sophomore in that game and Peyton was a senior. Um, you know, so I, I was really excited to play that game because obviously Peyton had already built a name for himself. And, you know, he was going to go on and be the number one pick in the draft after that season and stuff. So I knew that was kind of my stage to say, well, he's graduating. You know, I'm the next in line to be, you know, the next you know great quarterback in this conference. So I knew that was my stage. And I, was, I wanted to go toe for toe with him. And, and we did. You know, I threw for about 500 yards that game. Peyton threw for a little over 500, I believe. So, uh, you know, we were just going back and forth. They couldn't stop us. We couldn't stop them. Uh, they ended up, a, you know, pulling away from us in the end. They made, a, you know, a few more plays and got a couple turnovers. So they, they ended up beating us. But, I mean, it was just one of those games where it was two, you know, number one picks in the draft. You know, Peyton was number one in 1998. I was number one in 99 playing at our highest level we could play at. You know, we were both in the zone that day. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun to play in. I imagine, you know, for the fans, it was it was an awesome game to watch because it was, you know, like you said, you know, with all the yards and touchdowns, it's just one of those football games you just sit back and you're like, man, this is a lot of fun. You know, it was, it was so fast-paced and a lot of scoring. So, uh, you know, that that was, you know, like I said, I look back at that one. That, that was the most fun I ever had in, in a loss for sure. The the box score for that game, I don't have it in front of me, but there were very few plays that were under like 20 yards. <laughs> like you guys just blowing the tops off the whole time. Uh, well, so I want to sneak one more in here. I know Raleigh's got a bunch over here. What kind of relationship did you have with Peyton back then? Like is a, is a rival quarterback? Like, I'm sure there's some respect, but I guess, you know, do you guys, if you saw each other out now, is it you're stopping and talking and, you know, hanging out or, or what is that like now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peyton and I have actually been really good friends uh, since uh, since I was in high school. Um, you know, obviously just, um, you know, going to recruiting, I had I'd, I'd actually committed, uh, verbally committed to Tennessee. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was going to play with Peyton. We're going to be on the same team, uh, you know, because I grew up uh, where I grew up in the state of Kentucky. I grew up closer to Knoxville, Tennessee than I did to Lexington, actually. So I was down in the southeastern part of the state. So, um, you know, I grew up a Tennessee fan, you know, so I, I um, you know, Tennessee football was really, really good back then. And obviously Peyton was taking it to another level. Um, so Peyton and I, I, I would go visit campus a lot. Peyton and I got to be really close, uh, you know, through that process and obviously competing against each other uh, in the SEC and then in the NFL. Uh, we, we kept in touch, you know, when I, when I was playing, we would talk 
pretty much weekly, really. Um, you know, every the first of every week, you know, we would kind of call each other and go over some things. Like, you know, if, especially if he had played, a, you know, a team or I had played a team that he was getting ready to play, we would bounce notes off of each other. Hey, they, they really like to do this. Uh, you know, especially, you know, um, on third down, this is the blitzes they like to bring or red zone defense, you know, just just kind of bouncing ideas off each other. So we kept in touch a lot that way. Uh, lost touch, um, you know, a little bit uh, over over the years. But I actually saw him when uh, the Browns um, were in uh, Indianapolis when I was doing the preseason stuff. We were in we scrimmaged Indianapolis in the, in the uh, training camp a couple of years ago and Peyton was there and I was there. So we got a, can- a chance to catch up uh, out on the field there. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we've kept in touch and, uh, you know, he's been a good friend for a long time. It's awesome. That's really awesome. We got a ton of questions. I hope you're ready for them. Did you ever work at FedEx? I swear to God, his signature is on my return package. That was from Roller 113. <laughs> Never worked at FedEx, no. <laughs> All right. Cross that one off. Yeah. Does he know how loved and cherished he is? If not, please tell him you're cherished. I appreciate um, that. Which uniforms now do you like the best? Which uniform combination? Um... <laughs> I don't know. I can't even, I can't think of right now. Like maybe, uh, I don't know. You, Orange pants, white shirt. When I think of you, it's white pants and brown jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Yeah. You know, I like the orange. The orange looks pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I like the orange pants, white jersey. I think that's a pretty cool look. Um, we actually wore the orange jerseys when we beat Pittsburgh that, and uh, on that Sunday night game we were talking about in Pittsburgh, we had on the orange jerseys for that one. So yeah, yeah I like that look. Let's yeah. get that information to Stefanski. Yep. Um, Favorite Browns moment from last season? Uh, man, there were so many. Uh, I guess it would have to be the playoff win. You know, just watching that game and the way that we beat them, you know, it was just a pure ass whipping, man. I mean, it, from from start to finish, it was, you know, you know, we got up on them so quickly and you're just like, oh, my God, this, you know, you just keep waiting for Pittsburgh to come back because Roethlisberger is such a great player and they're playing at home and they're so hard to beat there. But it was just total domination. So uh, that had to be my favorite moment of the year. Talk about pooping your pants. Yeah. 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 J- Jacob McBreezy is being a smart ass here, but we'll give him credit. Best couch to watch the Browns on. <laughs> My couch, man. <laughs> Dude, I think we said this on the la- the episode last year, but we need that. It's like, like one of the corners of the stadium needs to be this monster, huge couch, like Tim's couch. And you just sit there with like a cooler and some fans every week and just sit there yeah, on the couch and watch it. I'd be, I'd be all in for that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Right we'll bring the new clients out. We bring the new clients. <laughs> How did you hype yourself up in pregame? Um, you know, I actually tried to calm myself down in pregame because I was, you know, naturally hyped up anyway inside. I tried to, you know, calm my brain down because, you know, as a quarterback, you know, you don't want to be too hype. You feel like you're going to go out and throw the first ball, you know, over someone's head up into the bleachers because you're so excited. So I was always trying to calm myself down and try to calm the nerves because, you know, you get that nervous energy before a game. And then when you take the field and you feel the energy of the crowd and, uh, you know, the excitement, you just try to, you know, I was always trying to fight, you know, the nerves and trying to calm myself down. When you look back uh, across all your years in the league, what was was there one team's defense one year or one player across the years that you still think back like, damn, they were good? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. We we we, had, we played so many great teams back then, but, you know, the one that stands out is Baltimore's defense. Damn, know? I knew he was going to say it. I knew it. Yeah, you know, that I guess it was, you know, it was one of the best defensive uh, units ever. You know, I think it was, it was a year they won the Super Bowl. Was that 2000 maybe? I think it was, or 2001. 
whatever year it was. Yeah. They, they were phenomenal. Um, you know, Ray was obviously a great player. Um, you know, Ed Reed was uh, – Ed, Ed was really tough to play against because it just felt like he was everywhere on the field, man. Like, he, he, got, he would play with – he would get outside of the defense a lot, like outside of his assignment. Like, you know, if they're in cover two, he's supposed to be here and every other safety in the league would be here. But Ed is running around – way over here making plays. And you're like, you're not supposed to be here, man. You're like, like you can't leave that area of the field like wide open. But he had such great instincts and he knew where the play was designed to go and can read the quarterback's eyes so well that he, he was always in a place where he didn't want him to be even when he was supposed to be somewhere else. He, he was very difficult to play against. This is a good one. And there's a lot of answers to it. What about this new Browns team and organization makes you think that the franchise has changed for the better? Yeah, you know, I think it's just... Uh, you know, I, I like the the um, what Baker and Stefanski have are, are building. You know, you're going off year one, what they were able to establish in that first year. You know, you you hope it turns into kind of like a Sean Payton, Drew Brees type of situation where these guys are together for a very long time in the same system. Um, you know, that that's that that would be ideal. Um, but but I just think you know you could tell the culture has changed as far as you know this team believes that you know they're one of the best teams in the league, and on paper they are. You know, if you go throughout their roster. You know, every position, you know, you're saying, well, shoot, they're as good as anyone in the league at this position. They're, you know, the offensive line, the running game, the wide receivers, their defensive line, obviously, is going to be great. Um, you know, so, so I think that, uh, you know, the players believe that uh, they're for real now. Uh, the coaching staff is, is solid, really good. Um, and the players believe in the system that they have in place. And, you know, I think the fans are starting to believe it now, especially coming off last year with a playoff win and, and you know, playing Kansas City extremely tough and probably should have won that game. Honestly, so as you know, I think you can see, you know, they go they go head to head with a team like Kansas City in the playoffs, and um, you know, and almost pull off a victory. I think you can see the you know the obvious signs that the, the franchise is turning around, and this this team is for real. Danny Chet, honey. Uh, we'll, end yeah. on, we'll end on this one. Do you imagine that the Tim Couch theme song played in the beginning of this podcast, and that will be the outro, will be on the Billboard's Top 100 again? I, I I think so. Yeah, I think we can get it there, right? <laughs> Let's get it there. We're not, you know, we're not ones to pat ourselves on the backs. Shout out Muchio, the one who sang it. That's pretty much it. Is like the, maybe the best song ever recorded. Yeah, that's the Mona Lisa of songs. Like that's just on our podcast. Like it I last it. season, awesome. it's a random weekend October, and that was the intro. Like that song just needs to keep getting brought up again and again. Like we would have guests that weren't you, and we would play it. Just we'll play it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. That's great. We almost made it on the. We had a, we put out a Christmas album, a Brownstein Christmas album. It almost, I think it might have made it on there too. It probably did, yeah. and it should have. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's all we got. No, I, yeah, well, we uh, want to let Mr. College get back to his uh, his regular life here. Um, Tim, truly appreciate you taking time to come on. Uh, I know people are really looking forward to this. Uh, last year, everyone loved hearing from you. They're gonna love hearing from you here again today. Um, thank you very much, and hope to be able to get a. Uh, a brew with you at a game this year, man. That'd be great. Thank you guys for having me on again. And yeah, let's uh, yeah, if we're ever you know going to be at the same game or whatever, let's definitely link up, get a beer before the game, or do something like that. Oh, be great. We'll schedule it around you. <laughs> yeah, let's just know off too, man. Uh, you putting up yeah. good score. Yeah, let's do it. How have you? How many rounds have you gotten in this summer? Uh, I played quite a bit this summer. You know, last, last summer I didn't play a lot because I had a uh, back surgery, so I was coming off that. Um, but this year I played quite a bit. I'm, I'm probably playing. I'm guessing maybe twice a week, two to three times a week right now, something like that. That's incredible. I'm getting in as many rounds as humanly possible. That was like the biggest thing of COVID for me. Mr. Couch, as always, it's been an absolute privilege and honor, a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. 
Always great it. catching up with you and looking forward. The last time we had you on, the Browns made the playoffs. So back-to-back years. We're on to something, man. I think we're on to something. Let's do it. Yeah, but I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great to see you guys again. You as well. Thank you, sir. And as always, good night, Cleveland.